If you guys have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalms 126. Uh, uh, let's say, uh, first, we're going to actually start, I'm not going to do much of an intro, we're going to start by praying this psalm, but before we get do that, I'll have to say, this has been my absolute all-time favorite week of study in the entire psalms. That's no joke, that's not hyperbole, that's, sincer- that's sincerity. This might actually be my favorite psalm. And, uh, like, it's my, one of my favorite prayers. Um, and I guess for me, it shouldn't be surprising because I, I love the Psalms of Ascent. The Psalms of Ascent are what led me to want to even start to have a desire to preach through these Psalms. This is one of them. And in part because uh, I think I'm, an, I'm a good Seattle kid, so I like emo. I like depressing stuff. I, like, I don't like the rain as much as some people, but like I just like... I remember somebody said, why do you like Dave Bazan? I'm like, because he sounds sad. And it's like, and I'm like, and they're like, it's so depressing. I'm like, that's why I love it. Yeah, that's why I love it. And, and yet this psalm is not that. And so will you guys please stand with me? And we're going we're gonna, to, you guys read the bolded. And I didn't break it up as much, but you read the bolded and I'll read the unbolded and we'll, we'll get through it. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion... We were like those who dream. When our mouth was filled with laughter. And our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations. The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord. Like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears. Shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, One of my favorite commentators, Arthur Weiser, he wrote a big, thick book on the Psalms in German. Not that I've been reading it in German. It was translated. Um, He said this, To the eyes of faith, Temporal suffering is, necessi- is a necessary stage on the way to joy in God's glory. Suffering and death, too, are part of God's work of redemption. They are a divine seed which sprouts in secret and ripens for God's blessed harvest. Going through hard times are seeds for better times. I love this. From death comes life. That's the, that's the gospel right there. Jesus died so that we may have life. He rose again so that we can be with him for all eternity. When we have a long-term life in mind, not just momentary, but like the long, that every single step that we have to take, and there along the way, there are going to be times of weeping. There are going to be times of how long, O Lord, or why, O Lord, or what are you doing, God? There are going to be times when we're sowing with absolutely zero fruit. Think of Noah building the ark. All right, God, like I'm kind of in a desert and like I'm running out of trees, but I'll build this thing. Like, you know, there are going to be, there are going to be long trips in this wilderness that we get to walk where you just don't feel at home. You don't feel at home. But you know what's cool? This psalm, this prayer, says that it's not forever. 
It's not forever. I, I like the idea of every step being an arrival, sometimes even if your foot stumbles, and sometimes if it steps on something good, but every single step along the journey, God has us, he has us there, and he wants to do something with it. So like our weeping will turn into what? Shouts of joy. All our sowing that we've been doing, just faithfully planting, 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 will turn into what? Food, even though we're hungry. And all our going out will be no longer because we'll finally feel like we're at home, just settled in our soul. And here is this prayer. The prayers of this original prayer would have been travelers on this dangerous road. Remember, they're not yet settled, but they knew the settling was coming soon. They knew it. They knew that the cloud of God was moving in their life and they were excited to celebrate what he has done in the past and what he's doing in their midst right now. And the things that he's about to do are the best things that he's going to do. And they're excited. So they sing this prayer. They sing it out along this path that has been filled, by the way, with peril, with hardship, with just, with just like, why are you downcast, oh my soul? But there is also a deep joy and a hope that is about to be restored fully. And there is joy in salvation and in hope, even though it's not always easy. There's so much anticipation that is going on in this psalm that it's just so strong that the joy and the hope can no longer be contained. They need to just sing it out. God is restoring the fortunes of his people. He is rewarding them. Phil preached a, a while back on like rewards of God. That's what this prayer is. They've been faithful in their years of hardship and toil, years of wandering and not being home. And then now, and now after all this, after God has done, he is restoring their fortunes to him. He is blessing them, and it is His grace that is doing it. Even though, even though His people, some of His people, not all of His people, you can read scriptures and see that not all of His people were faithful. Even though His people were faithful. Like, that's why this is happening. This prayer is a prayer of someone who is faithful. God, I've been walking with you. They've not done it perfectly, but they've done it faithfully, and it's the consistent in their attempts to just follow God. God, I'm going to follow you. I don't see you right now, so I'm hoping that this step is the one that you have for me. And they just walk. They don't do it perfectly. Or Mo, as Mo would say, I love that Mo says this in our house. It's not about perfection. It's about practice. Those who are practicing their walk with God. You're not going to always get it right, but you know what? You're going to keep, get up. You're going to keep going, and one of these days, you may actually take the right step, right? You just keep on going. It's not just the people's faithfulness that is being rewarded. It actually, the reward itself points to the goodness of God, period. Wiser says this, and he's that theologian that I love on the Psalms. He says, what is involved here is not the glory of Israel before which all nations would have to bow down. Remember, God's made promises. All nations are going to bow down before you, Israel. But it's simply and safely the glory of God which is to be made manifest to other nations. And it can only be accomplished through God's grace to His people. And He does it in such a way where He is the only one on how it makes sense. It's like, yes, the people were faithful. 
But it was God who parted the Red Sea. It was God who parted the river when they walked through on dry land. It was God who knocked down the walls of Jericho. It was God all the way along. And yet, they were faithful. There were no way human hands could have parted the Red Sea. No way. And if you notice, like even when they went to Jerusalem, if you've read that, uh, uh, if you've read that, like, when they get to Jerusalem, they're like, oh, this is the people who God parted the Red Sea for. By the way, that was like 40 years prior. They still knew about it. And they're like, we can't go up against this God. He's a God that can part the Red Sea. And it was of God and for His glory and the blessing of His people to set them up where He wants them. All the pain and the tears and all the years that they had working for what seemed like now uh, with, with seemed like no reward, like, is God ever going to do this thing? All of that is now reversed, and they are about to be more blessed than their wildest dreams. This is incredible to me. The word restore in verses 1 and 4, here is the Hebrew word shavat, and you, you guys know that I barely understand English, and I'm about to break down a Hebrew word for you, but uh, don't worry, I checked with the scholars, and this is what they say about this word Shavat. The word Shavat, which occurs in verse 1 and 4, is a technical term that refers to the complete reversal of fortune that is wrought by the inscrutable power of God. It's a technical term. Like, th like this is what God does. He takes death and He gives life. The way I see it is this. This means that there is a way that God does certain blessings so that we know that we couldn't have manufactured it. We couldn't have made it up. It is totally 100% of God and we just know it. We put it in the bank. We remember it. And we just keep walking. It, it's, he's taken all the, the pain and the hunger and the homelessness that we've gone through and we look back and so, say, you know what, I don't want to go through it again, but I'm certainly glad I went through it. Because it's of God. He's taken all the death in our life so that we might taste life as well. When I say death, I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about death of relationships, death of, death of different things as we go through, deaths of hopes that we've had. And we can just go and move on for this. The psalm says it's like the Negev Desert, which I don't know if you ever Googled pictures of the Negev Desert. It's a pretty dry and barren place. Most of the time, it is extremely harsh. But then after a rain, by the way, after the rain, there are these massive floods that sweep through that are super dangerous. So like, it's like, oh, the rain, it sounds so sweet. Kind of. Except it's also a torrent, and it's like when we're like, oh God, you're flooding me. That's like some of the Psalms pray, like that's what it would be like. But then after the rain, desert flowers bloom, and they're beautiful. And the whole desert gets transformed into something that is incredibly beautiful. Eugene Peterson says it this way, our lives are like that, drought-stricken, and then suddenly, the long, barren waiting are interrupted by, by God's invasion of grace. I love it. Yahweh is the rainmaker. He's the one. He's the one that brings this beauty as we follow Jesus. As we walk through difficult times, we can also see him in, in doing something. And he does this 
for us. And for us, you know what we need to do? We need to keep walking with Jesus. We need to hold on and remain faithful to him through good times, through bad, and certainly as each step is is an arrival in and of itself, there will be both. There is grace here to be certain. There's also work that we have to do. That work doesn't save us. Don't hear me say that. It's a grace that saves us. However, we still need to put in the work to stay with Jesus. Amen? Like we still, during the hard times, uh, during the hard times and, and, and the joyous times, they're always side by side through Scripture, through the entirety of it. And, and, and the same thing is like works, like people doing what God asked them to do, and then God's grace is always side by side. Or we can look at it this way. The dry bones that would have died in the desert are alongside the beautiful blooms that are after a rain. Tears of agony turn into songs of joy. And you know what? Sometimes they're like, oh God, how long? And hallelujah. And they just flip because God's grace showed up and we just know that he is doing something. And you know what we get to do? We get to keep going. We get to keep walking. We get to keep trusting. There are times... um, through the Psalms when we've learned that faith is so dark. One of, up to this sermon, my favorite one's been Psalm 88. And if, I don't know if you remember this, but the women from the Monroe Gospel Mission were there. And I think her name's Misty. Um, her son passed away three years ago. And I'd heard rumors that people are like, she's just not getting over it. And I don't know if you know Psalm 88, but it, it was, it's the darkest psalm. No hope. No hope. It ends with like, what the heck? Amen. (laughs) Like, I mean, it ends with just this dark, dark place. But you know what? Her long suffering and her prayers minister to us. Minister to me to be certain that those who have been long suffering, sometimes her faith was dark. She didn't have a lot of reason to hold on. But you know what she kept on doing? Praying. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But those who have long-suffering ability to hold on, you know what? In the end, God rewards. God rewards. So, hold on. Hold on. All of this weeping and this fighting for your faith and your life, because that's what it feels like sometimes, will be the work that you need to hold on to Jesus during those times. Don't let go. We don't let go. We keep working. We keep remaining faithful. Even in the midst of big questions, and sometimes our questions get bigger and bigger and bigger as time go along, and then we need God to become bigger and bigger and bigger because we're just living in the, I don't know, but I know God. I can trust in Him. As for us, as we follow Jesus, it wasn't all joy and reward for him. There, are, there were moments when his followers left him, abandoned him. And then he, there was a few people left and he said, are you guys going to leave too? And then the ones that stuck around said, no. And that couldn't have been easy to go through. Just every, all of a sudden you're super popular and then you say a couple things and people disappear and you're just like, well, that happened. And then there was, there was the fasting, Jesus was fasting, and then followed by the temptations of Satan. And then there were these crowds that were simply demanding of him, God, or Jesus, do this, Jesus, do that, Jesus, why this, Jesus, why that? 
all these people were demanding of him and not trying to actually get what he was saying or what he was about. That's extremely difficult. But yet there were also good times and meals and walks with friends. Miracles done. There were people healed. Dead people rose from the, from the uh, grave. There were um, hallelujahs lifted up. So there were tears and joy. There's also the sweating of blood. Even when everybody else left, 12 remained, and one of your closest friends betrays you for a kiss for 30 pieces of silver to turn you over and die. This is the Jesus that we follow. This part of it too. And then, and then not only that, Jesus endured the mock trials, knowing he had the power to stop it. He's the King of kings, Lord, and Lord, uh, Lord of lords. But you know what Jesus did? He kept his mouth shut and he endured. He shut his mouth and he walked, trusting that he would be vindicated by a power greater than these mock courts that he stood before. And then the cross where he died, the physical, spiritual, emotional pain of it, Jesus endured and hung on through all that. And then there was the burial. And then resurrection. Amen? That is what we are walking and getting ready for and getting excited to celebrate together come Easter because the Psalms of Ascent for us are leading us straight into Easter. This excitement about Jesus' resurrection, that Jesus is alive. He was once dead and now he's alive from death to life. And then we get to go nuts and celebrate. We, we may anticipate, and I pray that this, that the, the anticipation will grow as he takes us from death to life. As we get closer to seeing those moments that we can look ahead and go, yes, that. God's going to do something. I don't know exactly how it's going to pan out, but it's going to be amazing. And I'm going to hold on so I can see it. And just as joy builds on the past, right? We, we look at the past. It also borrows from the future. That's why, that's a Eugene Peterson quote, by the way. But it's like, it borrows from the future. Like, we can see things that we've hung up. God did this, God did this, God did this. I take joy knowing that God works. And I know he's going to do something even more amazing. We get to, we, we look to the past and see that Jesus has risen. And this can build our joy for the future to come. That there are great things that God has done for you, both big and small. Salvation? Yes, absolutely. Through Christ alone, amen? Forgiveness? Absolutely, by His broken body and His spilled blood. Adoption into His family? The answer to that is yes. But what about the other blessings for what, as well? Like for me, I, I, you guys know Mo was gone last week, and so I look at Mo and like, a great blessing for me? Yes, absolutely. Think of a blessing. I had a great mother who's loved me unconditionally through the, my entire life, even though there have been moments when I haven't deserved it. Most of the time, I think I deserved it. I, I earned it, but, but there have been moments. But then I have kids who I love more than any other persons in the world. I have that, those gifts from God. I have a job that I love. I have friends who love me for me. Even though they see my flaws, they still love me. And the list can go on and on and on. And it's because of these things, both big and small, that I know that my hope that Jesus can take all the bad, all of it, and turn it into good. Because he's done it 
time and time and time again. Jesus alone can bring the rain that waters our soul and shows us and, and, and it strengthens our grace and shows or strengthens our faith and, and shows his grace in our lives. We need the dry and rainy seasons to be strong, by the way. We need them. And we can anticipate that because we've seen him do so much in our past and we know that he can do it in the future as well. And another thing I think that we need to learn from this psalm in particular here is to dream. Verse 1 says, we are like those who dream. Another translation says something to the effect that God is going to restore our fortune beyond our wildest dreams. Beyond our wildest dreams. And we need to learn how to dream. Amen? Like we need to learn how to dream. And as we do this in prayer... We discern which of our dreams are selfish and need to die just because that's not of God, right? And which are the ones that will serve His glory in our lives and bless the people around us? Last week I read Bob Goff's Everybody Always, and if you've never read Bob Goff, I would highly recommend it. He's fantastic. Uh, He's funny, and he likes balloons a lot. So there's (laughs) balloons in every single one of his stories. And even the fact that you laugh proves that you should read it. It's so great just because that's what you'll feel. And if you don't know how to dream, read Bob Goff. I'm not sure how he does everything he does, but he dreams these crazy things and he just trusts that God's going to do it. And he prays these huge, big, impossible prayers. And then he watches God act. And you know what happens? Time and time and time again, God acts. God acts. Acts. It's incredible. It's actually a tremendous blessing to watch. I mean, I, I'm just recalling this one story where he was in Uganda and there was witch doctors coming against him. It was the first ever trial against a witch doctor for child sacrifice. All the witch doctors in the area showed up to fight their voodoo against him. And you know what? He just stood there and presented his case, and it was the first conviction. And later on, That witch doctor became a Christian that won an entire prison to Jesus. I guess with faulty theology. That's what Bob said in his book. And it's funny, like the way he tells it, but like he just knew that God loved him and God redeemed him and and God had this for him. And he got all these witch doctors there and Bob's just standing there. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. Even the video that they took of it, like it focused in and panned on the witch doctors and the video went fuzzy and the video camera died. Like, there was all sorts of stuff going on, and he's like, well, we're just here to do what God asked us to do, and that's how he says it. I'm sure there was a little bit more happening underneath there, but it's cool. He can dream. He dreams beyond the possibilities of what is typically done here on earth, and he prays for it, trusting that God will be glorified through this. And then you guys know me. I'm a dreamer. I always have been. I remember one of my earliest memories as an adult I was like 20 and somebody said Scott you're always just full of dreams you're always saying do this do that and then you talk to Mo is like you guys don't know how insane I am with my dreams well some of you may but Mo knows and it's like oh here we go again like he's dreaming but I firmly believe that God can do big things huge things I think he's doing them. I think he restores the fortunes of his people. I think he's doing stuff in ways that we can't even imagine. And I know some of the dreams that I've spoken are going to come about and come true. I know that deep in my heart. And I just know it. And when it does, I will say this. 
I told you God was going to do that. And you guys will go, yeah, because that's not you. But God did it. We'll go, one, two, three, praise God. Look what God did is what we say at Advent time when we open up and see our hopes are fulfilled. And I firmly believe that it won't look traditional. It won't look like what we think it's going to look like, but it'll look like God did it and we can just praise Him for it. One thing that we need to be wary of in this is that we don't get to play chess with God on how He's going to work these blessings in our life. We don't get to say, move here, God, move here, God. We don't know how. Our job is to trust. Our job is to dream, to discern, and walk it out. And we have no idea how it's going to work out. But yet we can take that next step and we just get to trust God that God can work si- outside of rational thinking. That, Like, look, a red sea parted. An entire sea parted so a million people could walk across Moses hit a rock in the middle of the desert and water came gushing out to feed and or to water a thousand or a million people and their cattle and their livestock. This is what God did. That dream's not rational. There's no way engineering can figure any of this stuff out, right? I mean, it just needs to go beyond that. Beyond that. It works outside of the rational. Not only that, like a dead man rose from the grave. Talk about crazy. Talk about insane. What, I mean, uh, unbelievable. Like if we, we can't lose our awe in that, that he made a dead man rise. And this is the God that we serve and we get to dream and we get to, that's not rational. A dead man gets buried in a tomb, rots, and provides fertilizer for the rest of the thing around it. Not rises from the dead. But you know what? God rises from the dead. He uses death to bring life. And he does this over and over and over and again, but he does it in such a way where we can only look and say, look what God did. Look what God did. And I'll add this so that I can be, I guess, sound in my teaching. It doesn't mean all our dreams are what God wants for us. Amen. (laughs) Not all of our dreams is what God wants for us. There are dreams that are purely selfish. That God knows if he answered our request, that the answering of that quest would lead us away from him. That we wouldn't need him anymore. That we would think we got it all. Then we would walk away from Jesus. And you know what? He doesn't want that for us. He'd rather withhold that stuff so that we're just with him. And this is where discernment comes in. And we get, and, and I would say this, sometimes in the name of discernment, people have gone like, well, that's just not how this works. That's not how this works. I'm not talking about that kind of discernment. I'm talking about discernment just going, you know what, God, I think this is what you're asking me. And it's a huge dream. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm just going to keep praying for it. I'm going to trust you. And when it happens, I'm going to give you the glory. I'm going to remind people of what you did. And we need the ability to discern and dream. We need both, all the while, trusting Jesus with our next step. We get to pray this prayer, and we get to watch Jesus work in and through our lives. We get to be blessed to the point that those blessings come back, and, and, and in that, they come to us, and then we give them back to Jesus, and He, he just blesses us. 
Our fortunes are reversed through the good grace of Jesus alone. And so let us follow him. Every step being an arrival. Every step being where God wants us. Let us follow him through the good and the bad and trust him, knowing that we can have hope for the future. And so I'm going to end this by praying this psalm over us one more time. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. When our mouths were, was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy, then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the strings, streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. In Jesus' name, amen.